So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. Wow, this is the final part of an incredible three-part series with my friend, the very wise Joe Stokes. If you missed parts one and two, then I would highly recommend you listen to those as the truth bombs are many. Now, in this great episode, Joe and I focus on building a superpower known as emotional intelligence. This is the skill of learning how to manage your emotions, your mindset, and even how your body reacts to stress. We reveal how every role in the shop can utilize this tool to improve their relationships with their team, their relationships with the customer, and even in their personal life. You wanna get ahead? You wanna level up? And you're going to love this episode. Stay tuned. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high converting Google ads, traffic driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads near me effortlessly increase car count. So what are we talking about today? I think we were going to do some. Wait, let me do the obligatory. Joe, welcome to the show. Thomas. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So this is Happy Winter. Hi. Oh, yeah. Uh, So this is part three. Trace. Part trace. Uh, We've got a good, we've done about four hours of raw audio. Yeah, this, this go around. This is going to be good. I might even make this a six parter. Six parter. <laughs> That's a lot of. Parts, You're going to be my content for the next quarter. Year. <laughs> quarter, <laughs> quarter. That's it. Maybe six months because it's every other year. week. Okay. Yeah. Every, every other. Year. But it's it's great. You actually hold the spot uh, in the top. I think it's the top three episodes ever mm. by downloads. Dang. I think it'd be interesting, and I, I know you have some notes, um, and, and we can go any direction, but I think it'd be really interesting. We have advisors, technicians, um, owners, obviously, and, and probably some others in the industry that listen 
to the show. I'm curious if we could walk through these different roles and like what does emotional intelligence look like for an advisor in that role mm. to be successful, for an owner, for a tech? Yeah, I think that's pretty big. Um, well, which, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's, let's start with the advisors. I think, and this is my take on it. Have you been an advisor? Uh, no, I, I have. haven't. Um, I've Sorry. done a lot of fill-ins yeah. for them though. And so go up there, sell, do whatever. I do more, but my, my, most of my client work is when they're really mad. <laughs> and I did that every, before too. And everything's gone to crap. That's a... Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, that's when I'm involved. I'm sorry we um, uh, killed your engine or wrecked your car. Yeah, or, or we didn't get to it or lost your key, you know, oh, fill in the blank. Yeah. And then uh, the next key's a month out. Sorry, you can't drive. Um, but for an advisor, something that I've talked with them a lot about is the awareness of their own mood when they come in the day mm, is a big, good. a big deal. And... I feel like most advisors that are, and again, I'm not trying to stereotype everybody, but let's be honest here. When we're looking at sales staff, we stereotype mm -hmm. when we're hiring and whatnot and interviewing. You call them archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, most really good ones, they, they have a, they're a little bit extroverted. They feed off of other people's energy. And the downside to that is that if somebody comes in with a lot of negative energy and they're, you know, angry, they're mad, you know, everything's your fault. You know, everybody listening to this, I don't have to elaborate on that. Yeah. We know the type. But when that person comes in, a lot of times it can really get to them. It can, it would reach a little deeper into them than it would it changes somebody their whole else. Space. Yeah. yeah. And so when the phone rings the next time, they've got to be able to stop and say, hey, and literally walk themselves through it. And several of the advisors I've told, just go outside, go for a walk. Yeah. And the act of actually taking step after step will start regulating your heart rate. Yeah. It'll regulate your breathing. And it's a mechanical, and that's one of the things I had on a note, um, is that people in general are very simple, very, very simple. Mm -hmm. We are, we are tend, we tend to complicate things and we are complicated problem solvers, but we are simple. And what I mean by that is just the simple act of standing up and going outside to walk. I will guarantee if you have not tried this, you need to do it. One with your wife. If you're married, that's good. It is a built-in date. Go for a walk every day. It just the the amount of ability of being able to regulate your mood and your thoughts because your breathing and your heart rate is regulated is rather than just sitting down <laughs> is so much better. It is just good. It's really good to have hard conversations with any employee because they're not staring at you just face on. They're not hyper tense. They're not reading every yeah. single thing you do. They're also walking and breathing and having some regulation because it's this mechanical thing as simple as walking that yeah. we've done so much. The body just goes into a default mode. Their blood pressure stays down. And oftentimes you'll get reasonable feedback back mm -hmm. from them. I don't know if you knew this. So there's a, a form of trauma therapy called mm -hmm. EMDR. Mm -mm. So the the it was a woman that discovered it or, or pioneered it, 
and she was trying to process some trauma, she took a walk in the forest. And what she discovered is the bilateral stimulation Mm. of walking as she was thinking about the trauma actually helped her process it to the point that she could recall the trauma and it not give her body a trauma response. Is that, um, did she write that book, How to Do the Work? Uh, no, I, she, I don't believe so. She, she, uh, ha, she took what she learned and she really just trains therapists and, and okay. there's whole, uh, like certifications for it, but gotcha. it could either be walking. You can also be holding like a vibrating thing mm-hmm. that goes left and right, but you're dead on. It is built into our bodies mm-hmm. that to work through something, that act of walking or, you know, just doing something that stimulates left and right, it's baked in. Yeah. And it's as simple as, and I was thinking about this and I oftentimes will have these random thoughts and I put them in my phone and it almost always is at night, right when I'm going to bed and right before I fall asleep. And so mm-hmm. I'm constantly waking up and putting them in my phone. But the the act of smelling something, like every time I smell burned leaves with a little bit of firewood mixed in there, yeah. which is common where I'm at, it is like an instant flashback to my grandma's house. It's the most triggering yeah. um, thing is your but, olfactory, but you, your smell. But you think about your senses how simplistic it is and how complicated the response is, how much it brings to the surface. So what I'm getting at is don't underestimate them. I think too many people are like, oh, when I have this problem for like a service advisor, I'm all hyped up, I'm all these things. It's stop and realize that it was the tone, the mood that this guy brought to the table, these simple things that put you there, those same simple things will pull you out. So good. And when people are like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I've got to, you know, maybe if I go here, but most of the time what really happens is they get upset and they'll, he did this, he did that. And here comes the justification. Here's how he's wrong. Here's how I'm right. I can't yeah. even believe he did that. Or they're the teary type and they'll start getting upset. They start crying. Or I they just shut need down. a minute. And then they just get quiet the whole rest of the yeah. day. They sit there and, you know, for, you know, if you're still a paper shop and they're moving paper everywhere and banging stuff and not answering calls or they're answering the call and they're like, thank you for calling. This is my name. They're totally dysregulated yeah. internally. And they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, really? And so you have to, I feel like with the service advisors having an open, honest conversation and just simply saying, hey, no one, no one thinks it was right the way, you know, person, Mr. Jones came in here and spoke to anyone. It wasn't just you need to understand that it wasn't wrong because it was you. It wasn't. It was wrong because it was to a human being. Yeah. Okay. Now you need to understand this. He will have his consequences. You need to take comfort that you are not the judge, jury, and executioner for his behavior. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. You get to step back from it and say, you know, that was hurtful. I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, whatever. I have best wishes. Yeah. whatever you can muster and move away from it. And then, you know what will happen? That dude's going to have a bad time, bad service, bad everything. I mean, that's the kind of guy that literally dies alone in a bed at a hospital that the nurses don't even want to take care of. Mm-hmm. Trust me, these people get theirs. You don't got to be the one to hand it out. You don't need to be 
that. And there's some serious, serious comfort in getting theirs. I don't even like going down the, well, you know, karma is going to get him. I don't even want that. I don't want to wish it on them. I'm, yeah. I hope they turn it around. I hope that they would turn around and say, you know what? I treated them horribly. I should come back and apologize. And they can, you can be open enough to I'll give them the space to come and do that. That's good. That way you're big enough to do that. But you have to be aware that when you're going to interact with another human being and an advisor does it so often that you're going to get some bad ones and it's going to be when you least expect it. It's going to be the person you felt like you had a great rapport with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, hey, you know, Joe, <laughs> this isn't what we talked about. This is this is not really going on. This isn't you know something that's good. I, I I mean, I'm really let down. And suddenly, they went from nice kindness because that's how they got what they wanted to. I didn't get my way, and now I'm gonna let my teeth out. Yeah. And you never got to see that side of them before, so yep. you run through the gauntlet of emotions of I've kind of hurt because yep. I felt like there was a relationship there. Um, and I'd often caution people at work and tell them, hey, you need to be careful the way you have relationships with people at your work. And ask your, and I tell my children the same. You need to ask yourself, did these people help you move? Did these people come and help you with your homework when you were you know, struggling with it? Were they helping you do anything that they knew you needed help with? Were they there? And if the answer was no, then that person can turn in a heartbeat. And would you be hanging out with them if you didn't work here? Don't don't make it more valuable than it actually is. And I feel as people, we, especially socially people that are extroverts that are driven like a, a service advisor, they want that latch. And it's a, it is a leveraging to sell where you latch on to these people relationally and they trust you. That's and, the best sales is yeah, just relationship. It is. It None totally of this is. Neuro linguistic programming crap, mm -hmm. these manipulation tactics. It's yep. just genuine human it's connection. That they they come in there and they say, you know what? This person's real on the other side of this counter. And I know about their kids. I know all about this stuff. And it's a two-way street. Yep. But when suddenly something goes wrong and they change it. Because you made a mistake and it might it might be legitimate. That's where you have to be previously prepared because you're, you know, everybody's heard it said you, you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to fall to your lowest level of preparedness. Mm -hmm. That's what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And if you were not emotionally capable to take that and say, okay, we messed up. I messed up or maybe I didn't. Maybe they misunderstood and, you know, whatever the case is but saying this person's having that moment. Mm -hmm. They're having it. The key thing is, is they are, not me, mm -hmm. they are, and mm -hmm. they get to have it. Yes. I don't get to cut them loose from it. What I do get to do is choose how I'm going to respond. And I'll, I'll add to this. It's the same thing with the smoke, the smells, the sounds. It's going to trigger responses in you. And you have to be aware of those responses that are coming. As soon as you feel them coming on and your blood pressure goes up and you start shifting from right to left, your hands will come back, your elbows yep. are by your sides, and you're naturally going into a defensive position. I've watched them do it on the phone. Mm -hmm. They usually, when it's getting bad, they will quit holding the phone 
between their shoulder and their ear because that's a sign of comfort while they're doing other things. They will stop everything that they're doing. They square up. They square. They hold the phone by their ear. They'll sit and rest on their elbow sometimes and they stare dead into a monitor or something else. And you get to watch the physiological response of something not going well. And that is where them having good emotional control over what's going to happen, what is going to happen, and a true real understanding of, I didn't actually break your car. I am here to help you, even if you don't believe that I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. I believe I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to drive that point home, not in a forceful manner, but I'm not going to just, you know, sacrifice it because you're having a bad day. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, to add to that, a couple of things that come to mind. One, um, there's a a type of therapy that that I'm familiar with um, called dialectical behavioral therapy. And uh, I won't go into the history of it, but uh, basically that one of the core concepts of this is realizing, and it's a lot of emotional intelligence. That mm-hmm. is the core of DBT therapy. But you have an emotional mind that is reactive, mm-hmm that's very guttural, that lives in your body's responses to Mm -hmm. things, you know, like squaring up, fight or flight, all that. And then you have this logical side of you, which is, you know, facts, reason, uh, justifications. You know, you can look at that person. Yep, totally get it. You know, but there's no acknowledgement of the emotional side. And a lot of times I think that with empaths, people that are very emotional and connected and even people persons, they get stuck on this emotional side mm-hmm. and they start drowning and they're so caught up in it that they are that logic goes out the window. And so the the core of DBT is something called the wise mind. And if you're looking at this emotional mind and this logical mind on a Venn diagram, the wise mind is where they overlap. Mm-hmm. It's this ability to create space within yourself and recognize and and honor what's happening in your body. Yeah, I'm feeling, you know, a I'm feeling fight or flight and really knowing those things about yourself. Oh, wow. I feel my blood pressure rising. I, my body language has shifted. It, that's a, a level of intelligence um, and recognizing that and then being able to apply logic while honoring that emotional side, we can get into that wise mind, which handles conflict so well because it's bridging that gap. It is mm-hmm. emotional intelligence at it's at its coolest. Core. Yeah. I was going to add to that, like what you were just saying. Um, I, I've dri- drawn a lot of patterns for people on a board in my office when they'll come in. And one of them is, and I, to use that same thing you were just talking about with the fight or flight, use the example of if I hide around the corner and I jump out and scare you, right? And you jump in the air, you scream, your body tenses up. And this is, I feel like, one of the best examples because you didn't feel like you had a choice in it. It just happened, right? Yeah. Even when you're reacting, you're looking at me and the logic side is delayed before it says, I know him, he's not a, yes, he's not a threat. This is a game and your heart rate is, uh, still climbing. It's, you know, approaching 200 yeah. and, you know, danger Will Robinson, <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing's still happening. But the more you do that, and that that's an extreme example, mm-hmm. but the whole point of that is that the, it travels through the limbic 
first. Mm-hmm. Always first. Limbic is your primal mm-hmm. reaction. Back of the head, thinking. top of the spine. Yeah. Um, and it and it's there to keep you alive. Yeah. It really, that's why the jump, it's just the same way when you do that to a cat. You know, it all of a sudden freak out and jumps and it does a backflip and it doesn't, and if had it known it was you, it would have never responded yeah. like that. But it didn't. And so you get the primal, I'm trying to survive some other thing coming to eat me. And that's its response. So the same thing happens emotionally and you start building these neuropaths. Anything you do neurologically, the more you do it, the stronger and faster it gets. Mm -hmm. When you see people that are really good at emotionally arguing, like in, they'll even spit in some logical things, but it's all full of like, you know, hate and vitriol. Smoke and, it's, and mirrors. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And totally manipulative. Gaslighting. And they can't see themselves in it. Yeah. They have been emotionally responding for so long yes. that you cannot, literally, you will have to video that person. Yeah, logic and, is gone. And let them see it later, like another day. Yeah. They can't watch it right then and there. And because even if you let them watch it then and there, they're still going to deny it. They, they, There's no acceptance that they could be that person because I'm sure they don't want to be. This is also assuming they don't want to be. There's some people that are just flat out mean, but or a narcissist. Yeah, yeah, those are the worst. Nice. But but the what I'm getting at is the more you do it, the more it burns it in. And I think we talked about this before with my daughter. She had this. She would have these like uh, night rate terrors and wake up in the middle of the night, didn't know where she was, and just panicking like mad. Um. And then it kind of translated into daytime where she didn't know how to, she would just get overwhelmed and, you know, emotionally hijacked and couldn't do anything about it. And the only way I ever discovered to get her out of it was circling back to humor. I would do funny things. And and I feel like I've told this story, but the point I'm getting at is now my daughter's 11 and rarely does this ever occur anymore. And it isn't a quote, grow out of it. It's that she now has tools because she knows how to talk. She knows how to put words to it. And that's where I feel like a vocabulary is very important. And I don't mean like great things and words, but letting somebody expand on what they feel. Being able to voice it. And putting words to it. And once they can say, this right here is just, gotten me so angry and the other person's not going to just lash back out. They can say, okay, okay, you're angry. And all right, what else? Just, you know, let me have it. Feed me on what you're thinking and feeling right now. And the more they put words to it, the next time more words will come out and then it won't get as much of an emotional response and it'll just be more words. And then those words just won't be, you know, adjectives. It'll be questions about it. And then it'll start looking into why am I so all these things? And then can I do something about those things? And now that that whole um, serenity prayer thing comes into mind where you're like, oh, this is what they're talking about, mm-hmm. of what I actually can control. And it's a lot. Yes. That's what's crazy is how much you can control that you don't have to go on a rager. You don't have to just let that, person eat you up. And again, it comes down to those simple, simple things of, you know, that the sound, sights, smells, and utilizing those things inside of your body. So when, again, circling back to advisors, 
if you realize that you're that emotional response person and you do that, start immediately practicing. And a great way to do it is actually journaling it. And I kind of talk out loud while I'm writing. Um, Like, and that was one of my biggest things to get out of being mad all the time was writing stuff down where, cause I would read and I'd be like, this, you know, this sucks and that sucks. And then I was like, I went back and read it the next day. I was like, this is the worst writing. I would never want anybody to read this (laughs) because it's just like me complaining. And I was like, man, I sound like a whiny little punk. This is terrible. And so then it got to where the words got better. The descriptions got better. And and I started feeling better about understanding I was upset and mad. And then it was like, but what can I do about myself? Yeah. And I put some notes down over here. And it's funny, we actually circled over to this. And it was about awareness and what is it. And it's seeing your behavior and accepting whatever it is and it may be. Now, when I say accept, what I'm meaning by that is acknowledging that it's occurring. Observing And, it. and observing yeah. it. It doesn't mean that it's good. Justifying it doesn't, it. yeah, it's not yeah. justified, especially if you're a violent person, which yeah. absolutely in no way, shape or form are we saying that's a good thing. Or, I mean, just yelling at people or, Raging. but here I'll tell you what the really bad one is, especially inside of families and inside of a company, withholding love from people. Yes. Because you're angry. Yes. You know what? I'm just going to sit over here and cross my legs and I won't even look your way. Don't even acknowledge yeah. you exist. Don't don't think about asking me for a vacation. Yeah. Mm-mm. I know you're talking about one. I overheard you. I am not even going to give you the time of day. You got something for me? Put it on my desk. That is the ultimate leveraging of power in an oh. inappropriate way. Yeah, it is. And people do it to their kids, to their spouses, mm-hmm. to their coworkers. It's passive. It's it's more than just passive aggressive. It's just straight up aggressive. Yeah. It's it's cold. Yeah. It's wielding. It's a cruel. leadership role and totally taking advantage of it. Yeah. It really is. So anyway, uh, awareness, right? Then seeing your behavior, accepting whatever it is and maybe and acknowledging it. Then choosing, that's the main word there, choosing a change of behavior to take that that's place when this situation occurs. Say it is uh, somebody calling and just, being like, hey, my car was supposed to be done. You're a loser. Uh, what are you going to do for me? Yeah. You know, saying that and saying, instead of me going, oh my gosh, this happened again. I can't believe, and letting it fester. It's what's my new response going to be? Hey, I have a canned, you know what, Mr. Jones, you're right. I did take too long. Here's my response. Here's what I'm going to do for you. And I've got it all pre-planned, all pre-worked out. Boom, out the door. I'm moving on. And so, and then you've got to implement the change commit to it, and then execute on it time and time again. And I'll take it a step further. If you really want to be good at it, get somebody that you trust to tell them about it, that you're trying to do this, that will hold you accountable. Mm, they will at least say something. That's good. And you can say, you know, if it's an advisor across saying, hey man, look, when people do this, it really gets to me and I'm tired of it getting to me. I really want to have more control over my own mindset throughout my day. If you see me work like this, or if I give you a hint, just say, hey, man, stick to your plan. Stick with it. Yeah. That's all I need from you is that. I don't, I don't need you to walk me through it. I don't want to. We're not going to give that customer's bad behavior a bunch of words. Yeah. Um, I think I've said it before, but you know, you're one of your biggest influencers. And people are always talking about, oh, I want to be an influencer, an influencer. And it's like, have you listened to what comes out of your own mouth? 
I mean, when you're talking to yourself and hearing these things, it's you're just feeding your own mind and you either are shoring up a foundation that's good or you're shoring up a foundation that's bad. You're tightening up those neural pathways mm-hmm. either way. Yeah. And so if you can pull, the emotions are really good. They're great to have. And they need to be really intertwined like what you were saying. Um, like honored. you always, yeah, honored. and honored and and thought about, especially other people's because, oh, I that's mean, good. in sales, let's all be honest here. No one likes fixing a car. I mean, who's like, you know what I feel like buying today? Some belts and a wheel bearing. It's going to be a good day. No one. Yeah. And then a set of tires. They look the same as my last ones, but hey, it's a thousand bucks. Let's do I don't it. Know. Some people are into tires. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why that guy was New York or <laughs> Jersey. I don't know. It's, I'm getting weird. But um, but yeah, it's it, so with the advisors, it's a lot. I'm not going to be, it, it's a lot to do that because you're dealing with, especially a top tier where you deal with so many people. Yeah. And to also be somewhat, I don't like to use the word passive about people being, you know, forceful or needy or all the things that they are to you mm-hmm. and not casting judgment to then turn around and go home and be very loving and caring to a different set of people. It is kind of turning it off and turning it on to let it kind of just go right off your back at work and then go home and then be more receptive to maybe a person at home that's, you know, like a really close loved one. Yeah. Because the person on the other side of the counter, if you're just selling them a set of tires, it's, you know, that them being upset and really worn down is not going to get to you like the person at home does. It's a professional level of detachment. Yeah. And that that's not tough. owning other people's problems. Yeah. And it's tough to deal with when you have that many of them in a day. Mm-hmm. And it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is it's going the other end. Your weekends don't fill them full of work. Yeah. Unless, cool. unless, you know, painting your your room and you just, you know, listening to a podcast, this podcast, or uh, <laughs> jamming you. out to music or whatever while you paint your room. Or, I, I mean, that's fine. But I know a lot of people that go home on weekends and they just work and they're, you know, it's lawn care. They're just busting it the whole time and they're like, ah, oh, we almost got it all done. Da 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 da. But it's like, did you really reaffirm the relationships you have at home? Did you really calm down and unwind and kind of put some thoughts on paper and take in some new thought processes and sit and just be quiet for a little while and listen to your own thoughts of maybe what wants to get out and give it some time? Because if you're not, you're, I mean, you might go from, you know, if you left on Friday at an 80, you might work your way down to a 60, but you're rolling right back in at a 60. Yep. I'm just suggesting try to get into work around a five or a 10. Yep. That way, Monday morning traffic is, you know, you don't have a case of the Mondays. Nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's with advisors. I almost feel like advisors have one of the hardest. Oh, undoubtedly. It's, it's a undoubtedly. different type of hard because they just have to put that smile on and, and go. And it, ultimately comes from a solid understanding of what you do and a hard, hard belief that it's the right thing, that you're doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you continually are affirming yourself of this is what I'm good at and I am doing a good service for the people mm-hmm. and that you're taking care of yourself on the backside. Yeah. I, I think one 
one thing that comes up for me talking that through is the importance to when we're talking about compartmentalization and and not not carrying things home and uh, you know I, I, I we've all done this you know the drive home you're just ruminating mm. over you know this and that and the customer I'm planning did on this. doing that today yeah yeah <laughs> it's not good it's on the agenda excellent uh, and, and and how you would have said everything differently and oh, yeah. oh I should have said this. Uh, I, you've, you've dealt a lot with angry customers mm-hmm. and, and that was my job for like a year is, all right, there's an angry customer, Thomas, let's, let's solve it. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and for me looking back, um, if I had to do that over again, I think one thing that I've learned now that I would implement better is using the tool of curiosity mm. with that angry customer. Um, and then also compassion if we can shift to compassion, it's really hard to be angry mm-hmm. at someone or hurt. Recognizing that when someone's acting angry or rageful, mm-hmm. they're usually scared. Mm-hmm. And if you when when you really get that, like the person in front of you, you know they don't. It's not you that they're mad at. They are scared that they're going to be out more money. That you're not going to fix their car, that they're going to be abandoned, that they're not going to be able to get to work, that this is going to harm them and their family. There, it's coming out sideways. It's coming out in ways that are not good. And listen, if someone's being abusive verbally, physically threatening, that's totally unacceptable. But if they're just, you know, voicing frustration, if you can get curious and put yourself in their shoes and really realize they are scared, it really lowers your level of anxiety. Mm. And allows you to really speak into and even voice things that they may not even understand are happening in themselves. I've literally told people, hey, I hear you're scared. And, uh, you know, it it totally shocks them. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what you're hitting on is a lot of them, like what we were saying earlier, if they haven't gone through just what we were talking about, an advisor going through to keep their mind good, if they haven't, they're just doing what my 11-year-old was doing. Yeah. You know, where they're just losing their mind. Yeah. And if you ask their friends, that's probably less than 1%. They would never say, oh, yeah, they act like that. They yeah. would be like, no, I'm shocked that they're, like you were saying, they were scared and you were catching them at a moment that just doesn't occur. It's not the norm and they're not prepared to deal with it. They don't have words queued up. And so like what you're saying is putting words to the perceived feeling that they have. And when you put words out there, it's loaning it to them. Then they can say, they'll oftentimes identify with that and then say, yeah, you know, well, or even sometimes they'll even say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not really scared. I just feel like, you know, I'm going to be out all this money and now I made a mistake. Yeah. And it's like, I have this fear of I'm doing the wrong thing by fixing this old car and I should have just gone and bought him another one. And they're honestly in the back of their mind, sometimes they'll say that. They'll be, when you just, like you were just saying, you you crack that door open and then they'll walk through it. Yeah. And And you guys can hold hands and walk through together. And it's like, man, I get it. You wish you had bought another car. Been there, done that. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not a big fan of that hard push of, you know, don't buy another car. Just fix the one you got. Yeah, let them um, make that decision. Yeah, I'm really in a, in the fan of. And now I always tell them, "Hey, look, you know what's in this car." And sometimes they'll tell me immediately, "No, I don't. I've only had it eight months." And I go, "Well, then, then this choice is up to you. You have a huge unknown here. Yeah, uh, I don't know it. You don't know it. 
But if you've owned this car for 12 years, you've got a great history with it. You tell me. Yeah. I mean, I I'm I can tell you mechanically, but you you could tell me if you think if you've been yelling at this car, this thing's a lemon. It's breaking all the time. If it's been doing that and it feels like the last six years have been that way, yeah. by all means, get a different car. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of the just, you know, just shove this down because it's good for us. And I've convinced myself that it's good for the customer because it's good for me. The way I'm in the, the mindset of I give them the best advice possible, even if that means a new car. Because guess what? New cars need service. They need tires, brakes, oil changes. And guess who they're coming to? The guy that was honest with them. Create a space for Mm -hmm. them to explore those things that they can't voice. Yeah. And the only thing I'll add to the service advisor thing is having a quickness. And I, I had to do this with more or less employees, but be really, really, really quick to forgive any kind of violation you may have felt or perceived because ultimately that will allow you to heal up and move on. Yeah. And it'll give you peace, that whole anxiety, the whole opposite of the anxiety and the stress and all that stuff is going to be a peaceful feeling that things are good and okay. Yeah. But if you're latching on to Mr. Jones did this to me, even though he's gone. The situation's over. The car's picked up, moved on, but it's still with you. Yeah. Then you're hanging on to that, being really quick to saying, you know what? I get it. What he did was wrong, but maybe he had a bad day. Maybe all these things were occurring and it sucks that it was on me, but I'm big enough that, you know what? I'm gonna let him go. Hey man, it's no sweat off the my back. You know, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. I'm going to forgive him. And what it does for me it's honestly being selfish is lets me move forward quickly and quit taking up cognitive load, which is really valuable. So you don't sound flustered on the phone. Mm-hmm. You don't talk to them about the wrong RO and say, oh yeah. And they're like, well, what are you talking to me about brakes for? My car needed an engine. Oh, my bad. I'm a little flustered today, you know, because it's full of who got mad at me earlier. Yeah. That kind of thing. So uh, I think holding on to those things. And I know everybody's heard that that saying of, what is it? Uh, not the revenge or, but holding a grudge is like drinking poison yourself and yeah. expecting the other person to die. It's it's not so much that so when you just hang on to it, but I don't, I think people seriously underestimate the power of forgiving somebody and just letting it go away. Mm-hmm. Just letting that fade off and moving forward and how much, and again, I keep coming back to how simple people are. They really are simple. We get in there and mess it all up and muddy it up. But if you'll just come back to those general senses and pay attention to them, like you were just saying, man, it like I had a guy not long ago, he was saying something and he was talking to me and I uh, kind of grabbed him and said, Hey, uh, it, it sounds like you're you're upset and you're seeming a little angry. He was like, yeah, yeah, I am angry. And I said, okay, that's okay. I get angry too. And he just looked at me and just nodded his head and he kind of wiped his nose and looked around. He almost got emotional. And I was like- Because he was seen. Well, yeah, it's like, and I have in our, I have this manager's handbook. And one of the biggest things I put in there at the very front is validate their feelings and concerns and then 
Then the next question is, how do you validate it? You know, because people always say that, be more, do this, do that. It's like, well, what does that look like, right? Yeah. So what does it look like to validate it? You know what? You're right. I would be mad too. And I'm the company that made you mad. <laughs> Imagine that. I mean, it's literally like, hey, buddy, that sword's really cool, but we don't need it right now. Let me just go put it over here. <laughs> We're not going to get in a, a samurai fight or anything like that. Yeah. We're going to just talk this out. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I mean, he got like worked up and he just, you know, he came, he's like, I just don't have enough time and all this other stuff. I said, well, hey, what, what can I help you with in your world right now? So that car's broken. I can't get the part. I, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm stuck too. We're both stuck together. But what can I do to help you? Like, can I take you somewhere? Can I get somebody in a car? He's like, no, nah, man, this is my son's car. He's got to go back to college and all this stuff. And so I'm like, well, can he take your car? And I put you in a loaner because he was too young to be in a loaner. And he's, well, you know, uh, I tell you what, let me let me talk about that. Let me let me call my wife. And he backs up and goes over there. And he's like, hey, my my wife's gonna come up here and get in a loaner car and swap them all out, and she'll take he'll take her car. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then he's going to come back and swap it in a couple of weeks. So getting in there and just like you're saying, scared and even mad, just acknowledging because yeah. no one likes to get angry in front of a bunch of other people. It's it's embarrassing. So mm -hmm. usually the moment that anger kicks in, it's now being balanced with embarrassment. Yep. And they're going back and forth. And then being embarrassed makes people immediately like, Stop looking at me. Don't laugh at me. What's going on? And they, now it's like, oh, I'm being bullied. I'm being picked on. Yep. And it's this dog chasing its tail. So acknowledging it quickly, not like the, you mad, bro? You don't want to do that. <laughs> but giving them space, getting them away from other people yeah. where they can have some room and you get that door open, whatever it may be, yeah. and let them know, hey, I am here, period. I'm here to hear you out, talk about it, not be defensive. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I am here to hear you out, validate. Again, it doesn't mean I got to agree with you. And that's another big factor I think so many people don't take into account is hearing, acknowledging, validating means I agree. And it doesn't. It flat out doesn't. I mean, other cultures do a lot of weird things. I can understand them. I can relate to them. I can hear it and say, okay, maybe if I lived there and I had grown up doing X, Y, and Z, I would be like that. But I didn't. So I don't agree with it. But I understand why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And that I see that. And if that's good for you, cool. That's cool. You the, you get your place too. It's not Joe's world. It's not how it works. So the, it's for advisors in my mind, getting a good grip on that people are coming in with problems. Everybody's coming in with a problem. It's not solved and you're there to not just fix the car and get them back on the road, but you're there emotionally to get them going too and get them out of this headspace. Because even if you fix it and everything goes right, a lot of times they're like, well, hopefully we never see you again. You know, they'll do that at the counter. And it's kind of awkward. And that's, how, I don't know how many times that happens, but it's, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, you have to have a grip on, they didn't want this. Yeah. But I am the person that gets you out of a bind. And at the end of the day, it is a necessary evil in their mind, the customer's mind, that this service advisor was able to 
deal with, cope with all their stuff, their problems that they brought. Yep. They didn't ask for it. Yep. And the advisor's got to be, they got to be on their game and acknowledging those feelings, those emotions, and knowing how to deal with it and play with it. And then having the support. I think there's support at home is the biggest kicker because you can have a person literally ruin your day. And if they get to it, it's like, how long does it fester? Because you're not going to call them up a week later, their car's gone and just say, let me tell you something, you know, you want to, but if you go home and I'm going to say something real quick along the angry line, if you go home and you're talking things out in your head or redoing a conversation, buddy, just stop. Just literally stop and turn on some, the most chill, whatever you can find and let Celine Dion sing to you for a moment <laughs> because all you're doing is embedding that emotional oh, yeah. drive, whether it is emotional towards anger, mine's always anger, but, or it's an emotion towards um, more of like a sadness and you're beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. You gotta stop. That's where that forgiveness side comes in. Forgive those people and then forgive yourself that it got to you. Yeah. Don't sit there and be like, well, I shouldn't have let it get to me. I should be fine. I've heard so many other people say, I should be fine. I should be able to handle this. You're invalidating yourself. Yeah. It's like, who said you should? Where was there a rule? I haven't found a rule that says what I shouldn't, shouldn't be able to do anywhere. There's not. It's you get somebody that says, oh, hey, this is what the job is. But I mean, again, is it even accurate? I mean, how many job descriptions change? I mean, they change all the time. Like on a monthly basis. Yeah, mine has. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, okay, we're doing this now? Okay, yeah, that's your job. Uh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, I create my own things that I have to do yeah. and it changes it all the time. So, yeah, it being the, the self-awareness is the biggest, biggest thing out of all of them. And an advisor, I'm pretty much convinced myself, has emotionally probably the hardest job Mm -hmm. just straight up i agree with that it's just it's tough i think that really what applies for that advisor with what we talked through really applies to a manager as well yeah i i would i'd agree with that Uh, sprinkle in a little bit of hard decisions quick clarity oh that's good and um talk through quick clarity what does that mean to you having the end goal in mind and um, something I just did and I rolled out with my managers, I had a big manager's meeting and um, basically don't make a single decision if it's, if you haven't stopped and said, does this move me closer to my goal? Hmm. And if it does not, you did not think about it and evaluate it correctly. Go back, do it again. And what's the end goal? So when I'm talking to a customer or they're talking to a customer, the end goal is that the customer's happy, satisfied. We did our best. We took care of them. And if we're just trying to be right, I had one of them that I have a manager that used to be a technician. He had a problem with the car. Car had to come back numerous times, diesel, exhaust problems. And I used to be a tech. So immediately I am naturally drawn to the problem with the car. Yeah. But in this moment, I heard the guy and he was having a hard time saying what went wrong and why he was upset. Because eventually we got this guy's car fixed and he did have a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I kind of was like, so can I just summarize this for you? 
it really just sounds like we should have got it right at the very beginning. And he was like, yeah, it was exhausting. Just, I, I didn't trust my car. I was like, you couldn't go travel with it? Or he's like, no. He's like, I was scared to own it. Wow. And I was like, okay. And for those that don't know, diesels, a lot of times, his was a newer version um, with all the emissions crap. It would shut you out. Like you only have so many starts left. So you don't want to be far from home or a place that can get you fixed when you're like, your car's basically like, hey, buddy, I'm counting down. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, yeah. So you can thank the EPA for that one. But talking with him that, and I talked with my manager and he's like, well, we did, you know, we did this, this, this. And it was finally like, hey man, stop. I'm getting technician manager right now. I need manager manager right now. Yeah. I I don't care about the car parts. I don't. This, we got to realize that, man, this guy basically had an unreliable car for almost a year and was just throwing money and parts at it with us. That was his perception. Mm -hmm. That was his perspective. Mm -hmm. That was his actual life. As much as we don't like it, it was. And we got to do something about it. So what are we going to do about it? What? And then it's simple at that point. What's your goal? Happy customers good customers, trusting customers. And the benefit to having more than one shop, I don't really want to go to that shop, but I'll go to this one. Cool. Love it. <laughs> that is a benefit. It's a saving grace. And that is exactly what happened. A guy that went from, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I sold the car and I bought a different one to now, yeah, I'm going to come to your other store and just because of the way you guys handled this. And did we fix the, you know, whatever, <laughs> that horribleness over the year? No, but we owned it, turned around and owned it, got it right. And he understood too, because he had been teched to death. And I mean that in terms of tech talk, yeah. like there was so much jargon thrown at him and details that he knew legitimate things were happening and he came in and saw a lot of things. So it, it wasn't illegitimate stuff, but he was never being seen, heard, or his pain being felt. Yeah. And that that being missed, that's where the manager's got to be like, hey, you know, play an I spy. I'm just looking for people that are hurting, that have been here too long, too much, or something else has gone wrong, and they're not happy with what we're doing. Either we didn't set an expectation right, we didn't deliver on it. What, what did we do? What do we need to own in this situation? And where did we go wrong? Yeah. If at all. And sometimes it's just some people are needier than others and you don't give them everything they need. I just had that happen. It was, you know, people run right up the chain because they didn't get a phone call back in 30 minutes and then they think that they can do it all themselves. And then they call you back after they complain to your boss and say, come back. Well, it's a little more complicated than I thought it was. <laughs> Go ahead and fix it. Yeah. Never mind. I can't do that in my driveway. When that's literally what they were telling your service advisor the whole time. This is ridiculous. I can do it in my driveway. And then, and so that happens. And being quick to go, okay, okay, hang on. My end goal, happy customer. So yeah. let, let me see what I can do for you. And sometimes I can't, you know, sometimes I, you know, what they want is me actually losing money. And that was actually what this guy proposed. 
And I was like, I, I can't. I'm literally going to go upside down to do this job for you. And that's just bad business right there. I mean, he's in business too. Surely you'd acknowledge that. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I understand. And then calls back an hour later. Hey, man, been on YouTube. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. The one time YouTube actually yes, was helpful. It was good. It's yeah. like reading WebMD. Yeah, yeah. You have cancer, no matter you're what. You're dying. You're always dying. It should just, I could say WebMD a lot of money. You only need one page. The it just page. needs to say, you're dying. <laughs> I mean, we all are. You start off, it's, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's the it, clock ticking. Yeah. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust Leads Near Me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. And that's another thing too about emotional intelligence is accepting that you are going to die. I feel like that is... It's not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. You are not immortal. We all... Nobody gets out alive. And that's actually comforting. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, cool. I'm going to die. You're going to die. And like I've told my kids numerous times, I'm going to die. Your mom is going to die. And I want you guys to understand that I want you to be good at life. Every and single so day. if I can teach you anything... And the whole the whole point of this is to not spare you from hardship. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is give you my ceiling to be your floor. Mm. And then you can do the same for yours. And it'll just stack and stack and stack and stack. And the knowledge base of resources and actual physical resources, other things yep. that you will have, a general knowledge of... Um, how to do things. And I mean, learning to do things with their hands and letting them own it and get it wrong yeah. and have those natural consequences so that when they have kids, they understand that the consequences are what got them where they are and taught them things and the pain associated with it. Got, and they just went through something recently and Thomas knows my kids and they just went through something recently where they screwed some stuff up for their college and had to make a bunch of money. And so they've been their entire winter break, nothing but working the whole time. And I was not about to rob that moment from them. And what's great is, is college is so much more valuable now. Yeah. Now they, now they own it. Yep. They put money in it. I mean, they did before, but they, they had some scholarship issues. They got skin in the game now. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in it, in it. And they're honestly, I love it because they're pissed. Yeah. Like, they went back and they were like, oh, man. They're like, oh, this GPA is going to be so damn high. Because they were, honestly, they were doing fine. And they were skating. They were goofing off all the time. And that's good. You know, it's good to goof off here and there. But they were goofing off too much. And they didn't pay attention to it. Yeah. So they learned a lot about reading fine print. They learned a lot about hard work. They learned a lot about sacrifice. 
And they would have never gotten that if I bailed them out. Never would have. And it was really hard as the parent to watch and go, what if they just choose to not go and they avoid the consequence? What if they just blame me for the rest of this? What if there's all these things? Mm-hmm. But and we had to have a conversation with my one of my one of my boys got pretty upset. And I had to basically say, Hey buddy, look, I gave you an agreement on this is what I was gonna cover. So you tell me who didn't hold up their end. And I'm not answering that question for you. You've got to tell me. And he's like, I know. I said, no, that's not an answer. I know is not an answer. Who didn't hold up their end? He's like, I didn't. All right. Now, what are you going to do about it? He's like, work apparently. I said, well, why are you talking to me? (laughs) Hop to it. What do you need? Do you need a ride? Do you need a hammer? Do you need tools? Do uh, Do you mean to call somebody? What do you need? So I'm here to support it. What I'm not here for is to justify a whining session of woe is me. Yeah. Because we live in one of the the best nations in the world. And I mean, we could be having to go collect water. I mean, think about that just for a split second. If you're listening to this, driving a car and you just chucked a water bottle into your passenger seat, like I always do, or a Yeti bottle. You know, many countries don't even know what a Yeti is. They, they have to go get a bucket and go collect water and bring it back. Their days consist of going to get water, killing something and skinning it and cooking it so that they can eat and survive. Yeah, That's what their days are. And that still happens readily right now. And here we are riding along climate controlled. It could be, if you're listening to this, it could be 100 degrees or it could be 10 degrees. And you're in a climate controlled vehicle perfectly fine traveling at what would be considered light speed a hundred years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy what we live in. And when you really pull that perspective in of how good life is, I have zero room for whining or being, it's, you know, you you get your 24 hours of being upset to grieve over a mistake. Now I'm not talking about death and somebody dying. I'm talking about making a simple mistake. Yeah. Yeah, if you crashed your car and you dented a bumper and you walked away, hey, cool. I'm looking at a car lot across the street from us right now, full of cars. Go pick one out. They're cars. You know, we fix them all the time. They're fine. People, you don't you don't get to do that. You don't get to replace them all the time. Yeah. So, I think it's really important for that perspective to be there and those are those core things. I think that's where for the manager realizing, hey, we can always fix it. We can, yeah. you know, that's just the attitude that needs to be there. It don't don't attach the the emotion of oh god, everything's going downhill, everything's bad. It's like no, it's not that lions, serious. Do, lions don't live in my neighborhood. Yeah, I don't go and get water out of a bucket. Yeah, I don't. So as of right now, my water still works, my heat and air works. Yeah. I have a great job. We have great coworkers. Have a great family. I mean. Frankly, we're living the dream and we don't even know it. And half of us are complaining about it. Yeah. It's like, this dream is too good. There's too many opportunities. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Your uh, your boys, I had them edit some stuff on the podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I needed them to backfill 
every single episode um, put in some spots for some some ads. Mm. And I thought it would take hours. So I said, I will pay you, I think it was like $10 or $5 an episode. They got it done in like 30 minutes between the two of them. They earned the equivalent of like, I think it was like $50 an hour. They uh, they got their money's worth that day. I was impressed. Yeah, they're- They they're, got me. They're pretty uh, tech savvy. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, they. Uh, I have a 3D printer that I have not learned how to- do anything on. It's the only technical thing I own that I do not know how to operate at all because they they both were in, in or they're still in, in engineering, yeah. but they've been in engineering in high school for three years. Mm-hmm. And so all they did was draw in AutoCAD and Revit and SolidWorks. Oh, yeah. So they're always making things. And at school, they had a CNC and a uh, 3D printer. So they were very good at it. So I would just tell them what I wanted and like sketch it on paper. And man, they would whip that stuff together and have it built and done so fast. Yeah. And I was always just, I mean, they've built so many motorcycle parts, things that we couldn't get anymore. Bar risers, just like my daughter has an older dirt bike that a lot of parts are just discontinued. And they're just making stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there looking at them like, What? <laughs> Like who, when I was a kid, we we were over here like banging rocks together. <laughs> it was like, maybe we can start a fire. And they're over here like creating things uh-huh. for products and engineering. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like the, uh, uh, they're great kids, but I can tell you what, they, they got on my ceiling like a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I rank the running joke. My ceiling's not that high, but this, but I'm glad that they're, there. There's so many parallels to what you're talking about with, with parenting and being a manager. And listen, if you're an employee or a manager listening, I am in no way insinuating that your employees are like your children, mm-hmm. but, but a lot of the, the mindsets mm-hmm. are so important that you're talking through. Um, yeah. It, so yeah, that's, that's a big deal. I, I've found that the, some of the best managers out there and I want to be careful when I say this, and please don't misunderstand me. They have children. And the reason I say, and I've gotten to where now I'm a little more careful about who, I shouldn't say I'm a little more careful, I'm a lot more careful about who gets to go in what role. And I like family people. And the reason I say that is, is if your children are well-behaved, and I don't, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. My kids are loud. And when they were, when they were doing some work over here, they were climbing up pillars and columns and hanging from the ceiling. I mean, they're very, very athletic gymnastics, like little kids, and they will find themselves in trouble a lot <laughs> in doing that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but they're polite. They're but well-behaved. Yeah, they're polite. Yeah. They're not. So, and I had a note about this, the difference between a good person and a bad person and I, I kind of want to circle back to the service advisor and the manager and quickly understanding this. A good person can be hurtful to you. They truly can be. But the difference is, is that a good person will be honest and it's situational and it's about feelings and that they genuinely are good-hearted n- nearly most of the time. And occasionally 
you'll see a blister in anger. But a bad person will genuinely just do this bad things, be angry, use manipulation, or use emotional responses to gain only on their end. Yeah. And that is somebody that I'm not a fan of judging, but you do need to know what you're dealing with. And sometimes you will have a person, and I do, I don't want people saying, oh, yeah, yeah, Joe just rolls over. There is a time and a place where I say, no, no, we're done. Well, it's just attributes like any other that will work for a role or not. And it's, you know, you have to understand it. And, And I'm meaning that also with the customers is, man, you need to understand when you're dealing with a bad person. They're not all the time. They're really rare. But I've had a few that are just bad people. Yeah. And they are here to manipulate and take anything that they can get at any given point. And they will steamroll anyone. And they're good at it. And you need to know how to see them. When they, the thing is, is the biggest telltale for me is the the lack of genuine emotion. Because not very many people will come in and be smooth and easy about a problem. You know what I'm saying? They won't, if there's actually an issue, like, they're hey, this person calculated. said this. Yeah, it's too calculated. They're they're too smooth. They're like, you did this, and well, this happened, and she told me this, so what are you going to do about it for it's me? the eyes. Yeah. It's in the eyes. And, and there's some serious tone, because usually if you can ask something and you hear them get more riled up, okay, there's some genuine anger back there. There's some real, you know, and then you start opening that door like you were talking about. Okay, like what's this feeling you got going? Are you are you angry? Are you scared of what's going to happen? Are you concerned of a mistake? But when they're just smooth and it's butter and what am I getting? That's that recognizing who's, who's actually just a person that's going to do that. And then when you, especially when you're the manager and your job is safety, and a lot of times that's called job security. That's what, in today's day and age, that's what it is. You're not fighting off lions and tigers. You are trying to keep money on the bottom line so everybody there can pay their bills. That's what you're really doing. And I tell you what, if everybody in your store suddenly got laid off, you're naive if you don't think there's going to be some financial hardship. It's going to come down hard. And none of them are prepared for that. Very few are. So recognizing that and being prepared, I think it's a a more of a emotional maturity to recognize that there are just some people, you know, as they, they put it, Alfred did in Batman, that just want to watch the world burn. And they don't care who they take with them. They, they just don't. And we, again, these are like maybe the one percenters. Yeah. You don't get them often. So be very, very careful. And this is not a justification for you to be like, yeah, see, this guy's this way. Fire oh, him every time. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Do not go down that road of claiming up. Oh, this is what it is. Joe said it. Thomas said it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, bad people. That's not what we're saying. But they do show up. They do. And you need to be paying attention. But here's the thing. You'll never catch it based on the way they made you feel. You're going to catch it because you were present in the situation. You were clear-headed and you were making good calculated decisions and you were truly listening and you were understanding that you're really just trying to take advantage of us. That is what you're doing. 
Yeah. And that, I mean, frankly, when if you start to say something, you know, well, how, you know, how is that fair? And they just come out, well, you owe me or you do this or you do, it's always spinning back to them. That's where you start dealing with bad people because they do that almost everywhere they go. Yeah. And, you know, those are the kind of things where I have that line of, you know what, hey, if I have to go through with whatever business, what we're doing, you know, we'll get through it. But then tell them, hey, you know, this will be the end of our working relationship and I really hope you find a shop that you can trust. And when they ask, I just say, well, you know, you were very objectionable to this and that and X, Y, and Z and the pricing and all these other things. You, you know, declared there was no value in it for you. And that's okay. You're, you're more than entitled to that. But at this point, we're not going to do business professionally anymore. Yeah. I, I think that sometimes I've seen that taken too far where you're firing oh. anyone you disagree with. Oh, yeah. This is the exception. Yeah. Not the it, rule. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, we fire... I mean, we're talking, we're pulling well over 1,500 cars a month. And I think we fire one one person every two months, three months. I mean, it's like one out of every five to 6,000 people. Yeah. It's, it's very rare. Um, we don't have to do it. I mean, most of them are not that. But I've had a few that are just, I've walked away and said, my gosh, that person was like, and I'm, I don't use the word evil very often ever. And I walked away going there. I don't know if I've met somebody that was more bad than that. That was just like, they were cool and smiling while they took from other people. And I'm over here just like, I gotta, and everything inside that parental feeling is like they've got to get out of this building. I've got to get their car out of here. I do not want them here. They don't need to be around my people. And it is like super protective and your hair stands up on your arms. I don't have hair on my head for those of you that don't know. But <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's just like, oh my gosh, what do I do about this? Well, it's safety. You mm-hmm. mentioned that's part of your job as a manager. Yeah. Safety, that that emotional safety is just as important oh, as physical definitely. safety. Yeah, I mean, they don't, nobody needs to be subjected to that. And it's not worth it. Sadly, there are just, there's some bad people out there. There just, there are. And I mean, they're not always knocking on our door. And frankly, if you have your shop where it's nice, I feel like politeness, having a a nice, well done thing, it it can be, but it also can, it can also outclass them. You know what I'm saying? It, a lot of them will try that. They'll, you know, they'll try the, I brought my own roaches to Red Lobster, but they won't do that at Ruth's Chris or Morton's. They won't scale up that high. So if you make it to where your processes are so good that it's not that easy to pick apart, that they got to be really good at, good at it. You've got to, you'll narrow down the amount of people that are able to try to pull it off that would normally just, you know, when they're quick with their words, they're like, oh, wait, 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 didn't you just say... And then they're repeating it back. And if the advisor is like, oh, well, yeah. And there's almost no good notes, but they're like, no, this is occurring. Then this is occurring. Then this is occurring. And it, and then they're kind of like, oh, okay. And they get shut down early on. It's, that's what really I feel like keeps it at bay. But again, that's you being a good manager, having your processes, doing your job. Everybody's doing their job. And when they're doing it, everything works. And you get some that slip through the cracks and, you know, are complete turds, but it happens. <laughs> so we have, in our 
first episode you and I ever did, uh, which is the only one released, but you know, at this point, uh, I guess this one will be out soon. But um, the first episode we did was about emotional intelligence as a technician. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk that through a little bit though, maybe from some different angles. Um, what are some ways that a, a technician can improve their uh, emotional intelligence? And why is that a valuable thing to a technician who really doesn't interact with a ton of people as as a part of the role, except with coworkers? Yeah. Well, we'll start with the most basic. If they ever aspire to be a any kind of leadership role or anything like that, you're going to need to have people skills. Um, the obvious comes to mind, being able to listen to others, have a conversation that stays smooth and uh, civil, things like that, where it's not filled with F-bombs and, you know, right on the cusp of, I'm going to walk away in a fit of rage, you know, that kind of thing. So th those are just the really obvious. But I'll say this, the best reason why it, I feel is mostly for you, your family, and that when you hit, I think most technicians all have this second phase of life in them that they're hoping for or doing because when you get a little older, it's it's hard on you. It's hard on your joints. It just wears you down. And when that happens, you need to have, very similar to the service advisor, you need to have a, a good mental capacity to say, hey, I may be doing the 1500 set of breaks and I could do them with my eyes closed, but I am doing this because it is, you know, I'm putting my kids in college. I'm doing this because I want to, you know, see my family do this. I am doing this because I want the family that I'm working on to go see their kids graduate. I want to do these things and seeing the depth in what you actually do. You're not just turning a wrench. And I think a lot of technicians degrade themselves. And uh, I was listening to a Jordan Peterson talk the other day and he, he kind of was like upset about it and mad. And he was like, just stop talking crap to yourself. He said, quit saying things that make you feel like crap. And I was like, whoa and it, stop and look at it and say oh yeah i'm just out here busting my knuckles i'm just out here doing da 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 da, da. i'm gonna go back to my dungeon which by the way we don't have dungeons ours are really really nice they're they bright are, white floors bright lights i literally drive by one of the stores every day and when those doors are open it's like it's like oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pearly gates are open yeah they're so bright i love it yeah. but but yeah they uh you know, getting getting your head in that space that you can do this and do it in a good way where you're doing things for your family, you're doing things for other families, you're you're also doing stuff for that service advisor that it's not just and the service advisor is doing stuff for you mm -hmm. because you need one another. And at being able to also, I feel like another a little more hidden and subtle one is that you're able to deal with other technicians that might be a little more introverted and they don't have great social skills. You're having a more space to say things and do things and be able to 
either know when to dodge and stay out of the way um, or be able to just communicate with them and help them and be able to say, well, hey, why, why do you think that's going on? And then you turn into a team lead. And then when you go from a team lead, you may work your way to the front and then you may end up being a manager. I mean, that's how it happened to me. Yeah. So it, it's, that's really what it comes from is it's selfish ultimately. That's really what it is because it's only going to, and I, I feel like being selfish, everyone says that's the negative thing. Like they always say, uh, consequences are, 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 you know, really bad things. Well, what's the consequence of playing the lottery and you winning? Is that a bad consequence? <laughs> I mean, it depends. Some people hate money, but I mean, if you won 10 grand, that sounds like a pretty decent consequence of playing the lottery. Yeah. Um, so I feel like being selfish with that and, you know, your emotional intelligence getting better, your communication being better, having a genuine interest in other people, that it's going to, while you're like, yeah, look what it can do for my career, but look what it does to your kids. Yeah. Look what it does to your wife. Like, I mean, good grief. You talk about relationships getting so much better. Your friends' relationships get deeper. I mean, all it does is make things better in your life. So in a sense, if you're like, Joe, you're absolutely full of crap and all you care about is yourself, then do everything we're saying. All it's going to do is make your life better. It'll say, screw the world. Dude, and I have an example about this. I obviously will keep names out of this. Um, we had a situation where I have a tech that's a, a very high performer. Um, get another high performer, move in with them. And they were a little threatened by it and voiced some concerns. And I'm, I totally get it. I validate the concerns. I don't, I don't doubt them. However, they never came to fruition. You know, it was that Mark Twain thing of all the fear, all the troubles I've known have been in my head, not in reality. Yeah. Um, so that occurred. And uh, so I, we had a good heart to heart about, hey man, this is a great opportunity to really grow and really focus on you. And I know it's going to be hard, but I want to give you tools to do it. I want to help you do it. And you could really, you know, fast forward your life in so many ways. And gave him a bunch of books and uh, did on Audible because he drives a good way. And uh, I went and checked on him recently. And on Audible, when you give somebody a gift, you can see if they got it or not. Like if they claimed it and they yeah. downloaded it. Never downloaded any of them. Oh. Never did. And it, it's frustrating. But on the other side... And the reason I'm saying all this is the people that do make the decisions, if you're in a shop where they're emotionally intelligent at the top, they're going to be watching and they know. Yeah. They're knowing. And when you think that you know you and you don't and you're not working on yourself, it's so abundantly clear to everybody else. It really is. It stands out. And that that's a, another thing it's always in my mind it's uh i have a, a always be pushing always be trying all the way to the end yeah you know i'd like to be doing some sort of work the day i die i don't want to be hanging out just doing nothing i don't care if i move slow a step's a step you know and it's and that's what i try to get across to these texts it's like 
if if you are if you don't know how to do this, just pound down as many books as you can, and and I'll I can give you a good guideline of what will get you where you need to be. But you got to do it. I can't do it for you. I can't put the ideas in your head. I can't ask the questions for you. You have to ask them, and I hope you do. But if you won't, then I I, I only have so much for you. Yeah, it's and their I, path. Yeah, it's you like, can't force them to walk down it. It's like, buddy, I got a big old table over here, and I'm more than happy to have you come and sit at it. But you got to find your way to it. Hmm. Um, they got to have that in there. But I, I think with the text, the the motivation of being there, man, is it's a rough life, and I don't want to ever say that it's not. And I went over that in the last one. It's hard. You beat yourself up. You spend a lot of money. For those that don't know, a lot of techs spend between six to $12,000 a year yeah. on tools. And it's their stuff. I mean, it's it's a weird situation where you're treated like you're a 1099, but you're, well, again, this will depend on state. But at least where we are, you're treated like you're a 1099 in terms of supplying all your own tools, but you're paid W-2'd. So it's sort of your business and it's sort of not. And the way you quote work and the way you do things, and then they're like your clients, they come back to you. So it's it's a little odd in that sense and the way the business works. It's, I think, maybe similar to hairdressers or massage therapists at a big spa type of situation where it's sort of your gig, but sort of not. Um, so there's a lot to it. And you've got to understand that it's yours to own. It's yours to knock out of the park. It's yours to strike out on. Yeah. And the sooner you can grab that and the sooner you can really understand the relevance to it, the sooner you'll move forward. Yeah. And you can start shaping things. And it won't be overnight. That's, I think, the one big thing that so many people don't have the patience to look at it and say, you know, what if I told you if you stick with doing this kind of stuff in six years, your life will be way different. They'll be like, what? No way. I'm not doing that. But it's like, well, what else are you going to do in six years? I mean, where are you going to go? I mean, are you planning on winning the lottery? I mean, uh, what is your plan? And that's a question that nobody yeah. wants to answer. What is your plan? And then I said, like, well, it's not that. It's not reading. It's not doing these things. It's not trying new things. Cool. That sounds great. Sounds like in six years, it's going to look just like it did this year. And that's that classic Jim Rohn thing. It's the things that are easy to do are also easy not to do. So it's it, it's easy to get caught in the minutia in a shop because the shops are rough and you have a lot of people that are technicians not because they wanted to be, because they were good with their hands, they were broke, and they fixed their own car, started acquiring a tool, a friend paid them, another friend paid them, and then they said, hey, maybe I can do this. And they started doing it. And some of them are good at it, some of them are not. And it's it's an unfortunate thing, and my heart goes out to them. But I I do understand how valuable consequences are, and I will never ever take those away from anybody. I won't rob somebody of the chance to learn from their own yeah. discoveries of what they've been doing with their own life. They've got to learn it. So the best thing I can do is give them an opportunity, give them recommendations, and then step back and and watch. Yeah. and see what they do. That's that's the reality of it. And it's painful to do sometimes. Really painful to do, especially if it's people you care about. And you're going, well, 
I guess if that's all you ever want to be, okay. And I'll meet you wherever it is. And you just kind of wait. And my, my mindset on it is I'm going to wait. And just when you come around, knock on the door. Anytime I'm here. Yeah. So it's whenever you want to get on this bus. But that's the hard part. Getting people on the bus, getting them to buy into it, getting them to work at it. That's, it's incredibly valuable. And my, I'm in disbelief at how many people don't value it. I, I think it's, a, you know, people come to that path for a variety of reasons in a variety of ways. Mm. But in my observation, and even looking at things in my own life, it, it, you you have to be at the point of maybe it's pain or maybe it's having a deep why or, or some other motivation mm-hmm. where, you know, that path really is required at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, when we're investing in someone and they're not getting it and they're not taking the right action, it may just not be a now thing. Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent on. I, I know mine, mine wasn't a, like, I, mine wasn't really presented early on. Mm-hmm. You know, mine was definitely, I had to hit my internal rage point <laughs> where I yeah. was like, I can't stand this anymore. Um, and and I, I took this note last night and going, if I, you're not the mistake, and I was trying to think about where where does it go wrong? For people, you know, what is it that gets them stuck in this loop? And it's that the things that they do with the time that they have is number one, not thinking about a goal. And it's also not working towards a goal. But what they've done is they replaced replaced that with just simply surviving Mm. and looking at, I just need to survive. I just got to get through. I just got to get through. I just got to get through. And I'll promise you this. Today is so much easier when there's a goal you're going towards. It is like the days go by. The work doesn't seem in vain. It's, you know, reading and collecting your thoughts at 1 a.m. and typing them into a thing. Just FYI, I don't make money doing this. I don't make anything doing this. This is purely because I saw what it did in my own life. I hope it helps somebody else. And I don't even think of myself as that nice of a guy. I really don't. I mean, I'm nice to the people I'm around and I care about. You're kind. But yeah, but I'm not the guy that's, you know, like I'm no Mother Teresa. I'm not. Make no mistakes about it. I'm aware of that. But it, man, it makes life better. It just does when you have that goal, whether the goal's big or small. And and I'll like my goal this year is not craziness. That that all, my last year was nuts. I built a house. I sold a house. I had it. Everything is you know if for anybody out there that did anything with the building in 2022. Oof. It was insanity. The budget went nuts. There was delays on every. I mean, it took like six months longer than it was supposed to. It was it was rough. It was hard on the family. My kids started college, so my house life changed. Work was we. I opened two more stores. Uh, I mean, just super busy, so a lot of change. And this year, I still have a lot of change coming. But what I do, that whole control what I can, personally, I we're just slowing our year down. 
And that was the goal. It's like, hey, we're going to pull the goals back. They're going to be modest. And we're going to intentionally spend time with people we care about. We spent very little time with friends last year because we were every single weekend focused on trying to get a house built and dealing with problems or driving another state to pick products up because everywhere local was no one could get it. Um, and so we gave up a lot. And But we knew it was going to happen. We told our family about it. I mean, there were, my kids were frustrated with it, but it's done now. And so having a goal of, hey, let's let's all just chill for just a, a small time. We're not just, hey, we're going to chill for 10 years. It's mostly just the summer. We're going to try to not go crazy. You know, we're going to put these things out of my mind. So instead of me looking at other houses, flipping houses or other things like that, I just turned the email list off. So I'm not, you know, and again, that comes back to those senses if you really want to control your life, control the senses. Control the soup, the the super simple, easy things. Just like if you don't want to eat cookies all the time, get the cookies out of your house. If you don't want to, which I ate a whole mess of cinnamon rolls this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, were they good. But um, my wife makes these sourdough ones Ooh. and they take like two days to make. Wow. Good. I can eat the entire pan. It's terrible. It's embarrassing, but <laughs> amazing. You should try them. Um, but yeah, the the sensory things, you know, paying attention to it. It's, I mean, it's as simple as like, who sleeps good when they have the lights on? Yeah. And it, it's the same with smells and all of these things that uh, I just feel like so much of the world, we overcomplicate it and we overcomplicate our own personal lives. And then we fill it with what we think will be relaxing and give us peace. And, you know, you can call that TV binge watching Yellowstone, Game of Thrones, whatever, when the real reality of it is, is turning all of that stuff off, sitting outside, listening to some birds sing, sing, collecting your thoughts and jotting them down on a piece of paper, even if you just burn the paper after. Just doing that, getting some clarity and letting your breath slow down and just relaxing 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And I've gotten where now I try to do it at least a couple hours a week. And I mean, that difference, that brings in so much more clear headedness, so much more peace, so much more good things into your life where you can really stop and just be grateful and appreciate all the things that are around you, even the problems. Yeah. Because it's an opportunity for you to work, maybe learn something new. And like, you know, if it's a problem I don't have the answer for, well, maybe I'll get a relationship from somebody out of this problem that I need to call and ask. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what would you do with that? I mean, the amount of people um, that are other shop owners that have said things to me and done things and said, well, hey, I'd do this. Or what do you think about that? And have been fantastic. Um, it's been so helpful. And being able to stop and look back at it and be really grateful for it. I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, you can actually turn around and say, I can die happy, like legitimately yes. going, I've had a great life. I've had a p- tons of supportive people around me. I've had all this stuff go right. I mean, sure, things have gone wrong. Everybody's had some tragedy in their life, but yeah. life is a tragedy. It's that's part of it. And again, none of, none, none of us are getting out alive. So, and 
in my mind, it's like, let's just focus on the the really great, good stuff that we get to be a part of. And if you start start there, start small, start simple, start with the senses, the great food your wife makes. If your wife, if you have a wife, if you go home, if you make great food, I love to smoke stuff. And I was downstairs and I smoked some cheese the other day. Ooh. And uh, man, I was sitting there looking at it going, man, I am just thrilled that I have this thing that I can literally make anything and I'll make everything taste like smoke if I can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've taken it too far. Smoke the cinnamon rolls. Oh, I want to. Oh. That was, my wife wouldn't let me this time, but uh, I wouldn't let me. She snuck them in the oven. I was planning on it. But um, yeah, I've smoked pies, cakes, all kinds of things. But I mean, just to sit there and look at this and go, man, this is so awesome that it's this cool. You can make this. It tastes so good. And again, it's coming back to these sensory things. It's all the the taste of it, the smell of it, the look of it, and really diving in and understanding these simple little things are the things that push us into good places and push us into bad places. We don't need to be attaching a bunch of names to this person's this or this is crap and all. It's just getting that stuff out of your dialect is super important. Just yes. like getting, you know, the if you're on a, again, for all the people out there that do cut weight and do diets and all that other stuff, getting the stuff out of your fridge, remove the temptation. You are a human being. Don't act like you're Superman. Don't go to the gym and act like you're Superman. It, it's understanding what you truly are accepting it and then working with it, not trying to work around it or forcing it. Yes. Um, so I, I think to me, that's really kind of where I've been at and trying to get people to, to really work and understand these a small set of guidelines for your, for your life is really awesome. It can do a lot of really good things for you. And it's, they're not limitations. They're, they're what make my life better. And they they keep it rolling in the direction I want it to go in. So, and like I was saying before, and I've said it a gajillion times, do things that line up with what you want to be. Yes. And if you're doing that and you don't have it written down, this year I want to be, we wrote on there, more generous. My wife and I wrote that down. And so what does that look like? Is it just handing out money? Or is it, do you go find a family that doesn't have a bunch of money for clothes and you go buy them a bunch of clothes? Or is it you go feed people at a food bank? Or what does it look like this year? And put some goals down that are in that category and then go plan them and do them. Put the time in to do them. And it could be numerous things. It's not just generosity. It's I want my my daughter to, she's got a little bow and arrow and it's strong enough now that she can pull it back. And so it's like, I want my daughter to know how to do these athletic things and she's interested in hunting. I like to hunt. And so I'm going to intentionally work with her on doing this so that we can later have this future of doing this. Is it going to, is she going to be able to take a deer out with a bow at 11 years old? No, she's not. But the interest is there. And when she is 15, that likelihood's pretty high. So it's seeing it, planting the seeds and watering it. I, I feel like I'm just kind of rambling on a rabbit hole here, but I think it's those simple things like that that are really what make life happy, yeah. what may give you that joy. And I don't know if you've read that book, The Book of Joy. Mm -mm. Um, 
fantastic for everybody out there. It's by the Dalai Lama, the Archbishop. I think, well, it was his name, uh, something Tutu. Is it Jordan Tutu? I don't know. I don't remember, but his last name's Tutu. And then it's a, uh, uh, I believe a Jewish guy wrote it. It's funny because he starts the book out with, you know, um, the Dalai Lama, a priest, and a Jew walk into a bar. <laughs> and he goes, no, but for real, that's what we did. That's how it started. And he basically asks questions and they just talk. And the whole book is not based on their religions, although it comes up a lot. It's based on um, how people dealt with extreme hardships and never bowed out and then kept it going. And they're just, you know, because they're coming from countries where they have a lot of tribes and villages that attack one another. So they deal with a lot of death a lot of cruelty, um, a lot of uh, a lot of areas. The women are second class. Um, they're not. They don't have the same rights as men. So it's they deal with a lot of that, and they've known enormous amounts of pain and suffering. And they do a great job of rolling with the punches, for lack of better terms. Yeah. And they kind of just go through of like. You know, he talks about grieving and how much or when something goes wrong, how much you take it and own it and let it and truly feel it until it really hits like the inner core part of your your life. And he's like, and then you can let that move on until it really gets to you. You, you know, you know, you don't let it go and that it's a good, it's a really good thing to have. And it, it's a, such a unique book. It's really great. And it's something that's good to kind of, they have some practices in there that are really, I feel like, beneficial. So for everybody out there, Book of Joy, should read it. I think we'll put uh, in the your last, in your first episode you did with us, yeah. we had your book list and I'm going to link that again. Yeah. A book list has gotten too long now. It's like a hundred and something books that I'm... Maybe we'll do like your top 20. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have enough characters in this yeah, show. Yeah, the that. one, the last list is pretty solid. I like to yeah. sprinkle in a lot of memoirs and other things in there, but typically that list is like, hey, I'm trying to, you know, I, it, I more or less put it together and didn't say it, but it's like, dude, I'm a rager. I'm angry all the time and I'm just pissed at the world and I need <laughs> to figure out why on earth because I am hanging by, if I wasn't married with kids and I didn't have this undying love for them, I would literally be ready to burn the world down right now. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys out there. I've been that guy. And literally the only grounding thing is these sweet people at my house. And man, I could not believe if I hadn't figured something out and now my older boys are all gone and all I have is that 11 year old, man, I'd have been a, I'd have been a bad dude. <laughs> It'd have been a bad day for a lot of people, mostly for me. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'd have been terrorizing some stuff, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, that that book is so good. I've listened to it twice. I need to listen to it again. It's just, man, simple things, simple, simple things, really stopping and looking at them and taking them in and just kind of I understand I work in a very complicated world. I mean, we're doing a stinking podcast here. It's all digitally being recorded. It's complicated. We're both holding iPhones. We're not sponsored by Apple. But uh, if you would like to sponsor Apple, you should contact Thomas Hayes. Um, 
But uh, I, w- I would take that sponsorship. Yes, that would be a great sponsorship. He does like your products. I'll promise you that. Uh, yeah, there's quite a bit there's of a, quite Apple a bit. money in this my, my entire house is so full of Apple products. We, like, we've had Apple phones since the Apple 3. Yeah. Or whatever, the iPhone 3. And we've had every generation and we have kept them all. So there's so many, and several of them still work. And that's actually what I do a lot with my old phones is I keep them and I load books on them, audible books. That's smart. And then I loan them out to people. So they don't have- Oh, I love that. They don't have service. Yeah. But they're downloaded onto the phone and they can just, that way they're, they're Bluetooth. And it's like, hey, here's the charging wire. Put it in your console, in your car, just listen to them. Um, but what's crazy is how many people won't. And again, it's that it's, it's an easy thing to do. It's also easy not to do. Yeah. And it's it's disheartening because you're you kind of look at it and go, at what point are you do you need to get to to be like, I need this, where you feel like you need it. Not me telling you you need it, but you feel like you need it. So when does that come about? Yeah. And I would highly encourage everybody to understand you need it more than you know. A lot more than you know. So get on the bandwagon, start learning. Get better. That's if anything, man. Be selfish. It's just gonna make you better. That's all it'll do. Game of Thrones won't make you better. Yellowstone will definitely not make you better. <laughs> although I have watched that show, but it's it's not something that makes your life better. The last the they had this uh, whatever it was the winter finale or something. And I'm not gonna actually get into the show, but we got done watching, and I looked at my wife and I was like, I feel a little bit stressed out watching this show. And she's like. Yeah, it's kind of heavy. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. It it just isn't, it's not bringing anything good to my life at all. You're honoring your senses. There's nothing like, like what advantage, I loved the first season. I thought it was, well, yeah, first two. And now I'm just kind of like, you know, I feel like it's bogging me down. And I think I'm in the, uh, the camp of remove, don't add, always take things away, right? And I don't want to buy a lot of things. I'd rather just go rent it. I want the experiences. And ultimately, life is about experiences. No one's ever like, do you, you know, dying. Dude, did you remember my truck that I had that had <laughs> flames on the side or my El Camino and you had a mullet? What will be the story is, do you remember when you had a mullet and you used to ride around with me? It'll be the experience yeah. that everybody remembers. So chasing experiences is, I think, where the simplistic stuff comes in and getting back to those senses where you can dial them in and just really focus on that versus stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think of all the things we've talked about, which uh, Joe, I just have to say, this has been another truth bomb episode, like just bomb after bomb. It was amazing. Um, And, and I, I love that we were able to really walk through and some practicality you know, all these different roles in our shops, like how, how does each person fit into the puzzle? And then how does each person really, you know, Mm -hmm. create a better life for themselves, a better work environment, a better experience for the customer, better experiences for their family. Um, But if I were to sum it all up, it's living a life of intentionality. Yeah, it really is. Because then you can actually measure it. You can start to see improvement. And if you got it wrong and you didn't improve at all, you can actually stop and the next, again, I would always encourage people to ask the question, well, what's the next question? And if you had no improvement was, well, did I even try? Mm. Did I show up? 
it's that, you know, that adage of people will go into things and be like, um, um, and I, I struggled with this and I know we're wrapping this up, but being okay. Like I'm, I was really competitive. This was one of my notes too. Um, very, very competitive, but at some point you do have to accept that you're going to lose and it, that is hard to do. And as you get older, the losing increases, <laughs> especially when you have athletic children that are now <laughs> young adults. And, you know, that it's like you look at them and you remember, man, I wish I was that fast or I had that kind of endurance. And you're just not going to smoke a 19-year-old in the endurance department. Uh-uh. You just can't. Yeah. And having to accept it is good, but accepting it in a way of, well, I'm not even going to try because if I did, I'd have to, and I lost, I have to accept that I failed. Instead of just saying, hey, you know what? Real competition. When people say I'm competitive, but they have a problem when they lose, you're not competitive. You have an identity crisis wrapped up in you winning. That's the problem. And I hear this all the time of, I'm obsessed with winning. Well, what is actually winning? Have you broken it down? Because I'm obsessed with, I like being competitive. I like a good game. If you win, hats off. Awesome. I am like seriously really glad you did. Show me what you did to beat me. Where do I need to improve? How do I get better? But it doesn't, because you won, doesn't mean I get to take you down notches. Or if I do, all it does is say less about me. You know, it makes me worse. So that's that's something I've been kind of trying to pull myself more into the competitive world and challenging myself into departments, mostly because my kids, I like to work out and my kids are really getting into it and they're getting really strong. And it's like, okay, I know what's going to happen. It's inevitable. But I want to see if I'm going to hold them off for a little while. You know, how long can I hold them off? And I'm already come to grips with, yeah, they're going to beat me at some point, but not today. Today's not that day. And I don't want to just hand it to them because what's that do for them? But they will look back years from now at the fact that you even wanted to do that with them. Yeah. And that's going to be a very important memory to them. Yeah. It's right now it's important to me. Yeah. I, cause I grew up working out a lot. I've done it for years. And um, my my parents never did. So I've, I've never seen any of them in a gym or in CrossFit or any of that. Yeah. So my son, I'll go lift weights. He's more of a traditional guy and I'll go lift with him and then he'll come and do CrossFit with me. And it, it's just fun to get to see him. But it's also that, you know, you get that and he'll kind of come up and be like, yo, let's go. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and you're like, and it's kind of like, all right. And, <laughs> and so it's it's been tough because I'm kind of like, I don't want to get injured. I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. But I also am like, I don't want to just lay down and hand it to him either. Yeah. So having this competitive, and it goes the same way in business. You don't want to just hand things to people. You don't want to do that. But you also want, when you do get beat, to be able to learn from whatever it is they did and look at it and say, man, I appreciate the game you have. I appreciate that you're that good. Yeah. I appreciate the time you put in to get that good. And it shows. And I like that. So I think liking competition is more important than winning in my mind because that will always get you better. Winning, you can get complacent all day. But loving competition and inviting it into your life so that you can improve is by far, I think, the best 
It really is. So yeah. add that to your list, people. Get competitive for the right reasons. Yes. Not the wrong ones. Not to put somebody down, but so you get better. Yeah. And I think we're, we've blasted through it, man. I've had two phone calls from the same person in the last five minutes. I'm going to have to call them back. Yeah, I've been blowing up. Yeah. But, and I have to pee really bad. <laughs> we'll edit that out. We're going to edit that out. You need to borrow a cup? Yeah. <laughs> Church bus style. Dude, as always, I love our conversations. We get into some really great stuff. And I, I, I can't emphasize enough like how, and just I want to honor you. You have really you are in the place where you can give this level of um i don't want to say advice it's not a strong enough word you can you have the ability to speak into people's lives because of the investment you've made in yourself you were selfish but that selfishness actually created a better life for everyone around you mm. and i just want to honor you everyone listening uh, there's so many things that you've given us today that if people plug in 10%, it's going to make a significant difference in their life. So thank Absolutely. you so much, man. Yeah. Well, Loved uh, it. yeah, when we, uh, when I get the studio done, I'm gonna have you back and we'll, we'll video it and we'll, yeah, we'll do, you know, hand puppets or something. Wow. <laughs> make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward and weird. <laughs> and everybody would be like, I had no idea. That's what he looked like. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Be a good time. Good time. Well, Thomas, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. It was a good time as always. Yeah. Are you doing my closing? <laughs> I'm just trying to get good at this. You're doing I what like, I do when I, I like, close out a guest. Yeah. That's good, man. You turn the tables on me. Boom. <laughs> I've tried to get better at this. You're doing great, man. You really are. <laughs> well, good. I'm not, I didn't actually wasn't nervous today. Yeah, this felt very natural. I was, last time I was a little bit nervous. The first time I was like, uh, oh my God, what am I going to do? I couldn't. Tell. I don't know what to do with my heads. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting so lost in that one. I was like, oh, I don't even know where I'm at. And I was not a great interviewer back then. <laughs> I think you were great. We just had like a dialogue kind of go in and. I literally, I think, asked you two questions in that hour and a half. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. No, I, I remember. It was really good though. That that like I it said, that was good. one of our top episodes. Yeah, I think I think it went good. Yeah. That was my interview with Joe Stokes. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. To help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week.